Hey everyone, uh, my name is Pete and this is Sarah and we're on the, the Stages podcast. It's episode number three, so we're brand new at this and so we know you'll grow with us as we start to learn how to do this a lot better. But uh, we've been excited um, to start a new series. Last last uh, podcast, podcast number two, we kind of had this thing where it was, um, he, he said, did I get that right? He said, she heard, right? And so then it's, you know, this, this idea of communication when we are start a cancer journey. And so one of the biggest things about stages is we always want to kind of change the stigma and the conversation around cancer and cancer fighters. And so the purpose is just kind of walk you through what we had to do, like in our first year, we're still kind of in that first year, or we just passed, we just passed a year, right? So technically, we've just, we've just passed a year. That's amazing. But a lot of this is just what we had to learn. We didn't figure it out the first time and everything like that. So communication is like a really, really important thing. And I know we all know that, but sometimes, you know, it completely changes and goes away. Last week, we kind of talked about how it changes from being, um, you know, like the standard advice that you give. Oh, honesty and integrity are super important. Well, integrity always is, but honesty is about timing, right? We talked last week about like, I can't wait for you to get off of work and you've had a tough day and you're super tired and then just blurt out like all the things that I'm feeling or, you know, or the symptoms I have or, or, you know, that I'm depressed or something like that, because it's just not the right timing for you in the headspace that you're in. And so we had to change kind of our communication style. And then we talked about the kind of things that she would say that I would misinterpret. So this week, we're going to kind of switch it around and it's going to be, she said, he heard, which is something she said and what she meant by it. But then I heard something totally different. So let's just jump, jump right into that, that subject. Um, I believe is about like mowing the lawn or something, right? So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was pretty early on. We uh, were still sort of navigating first first and how that was affecting one, your health and also your ability to do as many things around the house as you had in the past. So I, um, of course, because I said it, it was very innocently, uh, wanted to um, offer, you know, I said that I would take on mowing the the lawn this year. Mm -hmm. And what did you mean by that? Like, what it, what were you actually trying to communicate? Or what was that? What was your motivation behind it? Um, it's something I don't mind doing. Sometimes after a long day of being in the house, I like to get out of the house. And two, um, just to, for it to be something that wasn't on your list of things to do with everything mm -hmm. else you were dealing with. Yeah. So right there is a perfect example of kind of the heart of a caregiver, right? A caregiver is is saying, listen, I want to you know, serve and help in, in any way possible. And that's exactly what your heart and motivation uh, was entirely, right? And here's the thing that the, us cancer fighters have to understand. And, um, you know, and, I, and I'll expound on this in a, a little bit, but we have to kind of be able to hear it in that context and really embrace the motivation um, of people who are trying to help us. But if you're like me, how you're going to hear that at first, and I don't think there's any way to avoid it, is that you're somehow, because of cancer now, you're just helpless. You're just worthless. You're useless. You don't, 
you don't have much to offer. I guess you're just going to, you know, put, put an Afghan on and, and sit in the co- sit on the couch and just become, you know, useless to society. And that's not ex- at all what you wanted. You're just like, Hey, listen, this is something that I actually will enjoy because when I get off of work, after talking to people all day, I just want to, you know, not talk to someone and go out. So it's something I'm, I, I, I'd like to do and something that I can take off your plate. And so the, you know, and, and so I have to hear it from that motivation. Right. But it's so, okay for you to say it was okay for him to say. Um, so how I hear that is. <laughs> yeah. And to talk about that too. Yeah. Cause I think it's important for caregivers to strike a balance, right? Like if you did that with like almost everything, then the person does kind of feel like, well, what do I have to offer? I'm just here needy, you know, and different things like that. But here's the thing. In your journey, along with my journey, there are actually times where I absolutely couldn't do anything. I mean, in the first two rounds of chemotherapy, I was so sick and so much, so tired, everything that I was going through that like mowing the lawn or anything wasn't even on my mind. Like it was like, how do I survive the next hour? Right. And, and that, you know, all the things that your mind turns to in, in those moments. And so I think, you know, that's one thing as cancer fighters that we have to get used to and really learn is that it's hard to accept the fact that you're going to need help, like that you're, you're going to need help. There are going to be days where you're, you're weak. I'm going through that right now. Um, in the past, I've been kind of powering through and I was always able to power through chemo and everything. And, you know, there were like 72 hours of crap days. And the second that you got the pump off, it was good. But now I feel like there's a time where like, I don't sleep that great at night. So I'm getting maybe four or five hours, you know, a solid good sleep. And I'm up a few times at night. So during the day, I actually want to take a nap, but I can't stand it because it makes me feel like I'm one of those people that likes to just here's the day I have a plan. We're going to work through it. And this is what we're going to do. And we're going to get things going. And I feel like throwing, throwing that kind of throws a monkey wrench into my whole plans for the day. But there's just a place where I just hit, hit the wall and I have to kind of accept that that's the deal and that it's the be- in my best interest to take a nap. And that's hard. That's a really hard transition, especially if you're kind of like, you know, some of you might just love the idea of taking a nap, <laughs> but, but I'm the guy who's just like, you know, like, we got to go like there's things to do, but, but I think that it's super important. So what would you, so I did eventually tell you like, Hey, this is kind of how I heard not just, you know, it's not just mowing the lawn. I mean, that's one example of several, but it's a, it's, it's a thing where you're offering, you know, to help me. And I'm like, you know, and I'm responding to it, like mothering or, or I'm responding to it like, Oh, I guess I was supposed to do that. Now you're going to have to do it. And, and I was hearing it completely different. So one of the things I always wanted to ask you is what, when I actually sat down and talked to you about it and said, that's how I feel. What did, what did that, what did that, how did that make you feel? And like, what did that do for you? Cause I think that's the important thing we want to get to is you got, it's not just that, you have to figure out a different way to communicate a different way to hear, but there's also something that you got to be able to do is be honest with your, your caregiver. And so how did you feel when I finally said, Hey, like, it makes me, (laughs) 
It was interesting um, because the first uh, couple months I didn't have work. So I was able to go with you to all those appointments. Mm -hmm. And then um, when I started working, then I had to, then I had to let go of a lot of the things that I could do. And we sort of had a a good rhythm then. Mm -hmm. But when I started working, then um, we involved other people driving you. And then I'd be like, get the paperwork. And did you make new appointments and all the stuff that I would (laughs) do when I went that I wasn't able to do. So some of that was just, um, you know, communicating to you that when I'm off my eight hour day at work, um, I want to do something to take care of you and, you know, like have that still be something that I do, but also, it was, there are different times, especially the first uh, 70, 72 hours where I just say, if you need something, let me know, because a lot of what you were feeling like, at the, what you always feel like the first couple, two, three days, you're miserable and everything that I say makes you feel that way, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's just uh, like, you know, I got you this and this, but do you need anything else? Or let me know if you need something, you know. (laughs) And that's something good to point out too, is that sometimes when you're a caregiver and you start out with your spouse, sometimes your job or your employment or something um, will, will give you, you know, some time. They'll say, oh, go take a week or something to be with your, your spouse or your loved one when that happens. The transition then, of course, is going to be like, you know, you, create a rhythm. And then now you're going to have to blow that, that rhythm up a little mm-hmm. bit, because now like I had to take over some of those things. And, and it's really funny if as a cancer fighter, then you realize how much the caregiver is actually doing <laughs> because you're like, good grief. I feel exhausted. And I'm only two hours into the day because I had to go to my appointment. I had to print out the paperwork because that's got to go to some insurance thing. And, and there's all this stuff. And so you realize like how much they're they're doing and how much they are actually taking taking off off your plate, and so you learn your lesson quickly uh, <laughs> when you have to do it yourself. And I think I think that's important. And I think the thing you have to kind of work through though is just you know for me um, I'm autistic as well, so for me like I have a structure to the day that I want it to go, and I can adjust <laughs> to disruptions. But Shara will be the first to tell you, I don't know how to do that well. Um, I'm, I've got a certain way I want something to flow, and I've probably been thinking about it for hours or days. And I've looked at the calendar, and I've looked, and I said, okay, I'm going to go here, and then I can burn this time, and I'll do this for an hour, and then I have to go pick up Seba from school. And I get kind of a, a, a plan, and then all of a sudden, something gets thrown in the middle of that, and um, it it becomes challenging for me. And so I think more, more so for me, when we made that switch, it was, um, it was hard because it was, it was like, Oh, I was used to get up, work out with Ben, come back, drink, hydrate, (laughs) make sure I take my meds. You know, it was just this kind of ordered little system of, of life. And then all of a sudden things had to kind of ebb and flow and change. And, um, I really had to work work at that, not like becoming mentally taxing where it just, you know, cause then you get exhausted and you get frustrated and you, and um, for me, 
I, I have to then just clear my head. I just have to get back and get centered and then replan the day accordingly. So you learn quickly. Yeah. But it's not, it's not fun. I don't think there's anything to speed up that adjustment, right? It's just, it's going to happen. You have to accept it. I think it's important. Like if you're listening to this and you're just beginning to then, you know, talk about some things, because I think if you schedule time or at least have a, like a routine where you do have more, Sharon and I, we basically get from, what would you say, seven to eight. Mm-hmm. We, we basically have an hour in the morning that we, that's our time that we can, we can talk. And so it could, it could be any type of subject, but usually we're going to talk about the appointments, appointments and stuff. <laughs> what's going to, what's going to happen. And then anything <laughs> that she needs um, me to do, but, you know, I think, um, the biggest thing that I want you to hear in this podcast, because it's not just a voice for cancer fighters is, is caregivers is her heart. Right. So, you know, talk about that a little bit more. You mentioned the transition, which was this trend. I know you've written about it a little bit, but there's, <laughs> you know, the transition of like, you didn't, you weren't working and you could take me to everything. And there was a part of that that was real, that really you loved because you're in the know. I know how he's doing. I know what the doctor's saying. I, you know, and I'm part of the solution and I'm yep. helping him <laughs> and I'm there for him um, and stuff like that. So then, you know, you said, okay, well, now you got a job. Now that can't happen. And I had to give some of that away. But talk more about that. Like, what that wasn't an easy transition for you. It wasn't at all <laughs> because I went back to, I went from being the person involved with every, I, um, every detail, making the appointments, calling the one office three times, uh, like your radiology appointment that you had to call. Yeah. And then, um, you know, being patient and stubborn and all those things that I was able to do that made your life easier. And then, um, we started asking other people to drive and, um, even though we have a good support system, we didn't want to burden or overwhelm anyone that, um, you know, for those appointments. So we ended up making it pretty easy where someone could pick you up and then, you know, you just text them and say, come pick me up and drive me home, you know, so it was easier for them. But that was a hard transition um, because I felt so out of it. I felt like, like when you would get home, I'd take my lunch and just take forever and just pummel you with all these questions because I'm like trying to catch up sort of. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, can we just, <laughs> this is not a good time for me, but, but I was like, well, it's a good time for me because I missed everything. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Oh yeah. And, and <laughs> a lot of that is also going to come from the, you know, you're going to get asked this question a lot as a cancer fighter is, you know, how'd your day go? You know, what the doctor say? Da, 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 da. But sometimes <laughs> those <just> answers, <laughs> but sometimes those answers are just, they're not fun to give, right? Like it didn't go well, or the doctor wasn't happy with, with the results or sees something. And so there's a, a reluctancy of, I've already had to mentally deal with this. And now I have to deal with it again right. and sharing with, with you and, and watching it snippet before. Yeah. yeah. And, and then watching its effect on, on you. But I want to go back because I think still I'm trying to get you to open up a little bit. But this this transition, like from when you're there, like you 
really, and, and caregivers do this so much, is that she really just took took so much pressure off of me, but then also just the presence, right? Like when you're getting the news from the doctor, when you're hearing this, when when you're walking in, all this stuff that kind of creates anxiety and fear and and stuff. I mean, I'll be honest with you. There's a there's very few <laughs> very few things that you go to the hospital that you don't have to like get in a gown or something, and like it's just like not your top ten favorite thing to do ever. Um, and so the scans and probes and all that crap is is hard to deal with. But it was always so much easier when you had you know you someone that loves you that's right there, especially you know your your spouse is just it's super important. And you felt that like that gave you, you know, rightfully so, um, a feeling of satisfaction and joy. You really love doing that. Mm -hmm. So let's describe this a little bit more. Like when the transition and the job came, it was nice and blessing to get the job. But now that source of joy and satisfaction, this thing that you love to do, like you really, truly love to serve is now taken like it feels like it's robbed. So (laughs) <laughs> how talk about that yes it, it was a loss and um there's there are several parts of our life since cancer that you just realize that um there's a loss and that you need to just think about and process that and um you know i felt guilty so i had to um I had to process that and like relieve myself of the guilt of like, you know, I'm working. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like skipping out of doing all that with you. I just was working. So, <laughs> but, but let's underscore that that's super hard, right? Like when you see a loved one that's suffering and it's stage four cancer and, and um, it, you know, there's death is involved in that and all those things that you process. I think one of the, the things is like, you want to be there. And part of that's, I don't know how long I have with him. And I just want to be with him when he's going through this. Like, I want him to know I'm here. Right. And I think that's, you know, a natural thing and caregivers who have to return to work, like we need to do a better job of taking care of them. And um, I know you've had some really key friends who have kind of helped you process um, all of that. And that's super important, right? Because, we've got to do a better job of taking, giving care to caregivers because that's hard when you, when you take a little bit of time or you give your work as your time, or you were blessed with being able to put in some time. And then all of a sudden now it's back to real life and it's back to 40 hours and it's back to an eight hour day of work. And all of a sudden you're not eight hours with, you know, and then when you, when you get off, of work, you're exhausted. You're, you're actually like talk to people all day and you're line of work. And so talking isn't exactly on your top 10 list, at least for a while. Right. And then on the other side of the coin, us as cancer fighters, we can get very lonely during the day, right? We can, we can be like, you know, like, man, I, I better read, I better post, I better find something to do. I mean, I got a dream phone call, um, today because someone from our church wanted me to like help out with something. And I'm like, sweet. I mean, how many days a week do you need me at the office? Like, like I'm just, I'm volunteering for it. But I mean, like it would thrill me because I get to be around people and I get to talk. And I think 
that's the thing that some of us who get, you know, you feel like you're locked in a room or in a house and you don't get out. Or even if you sat on the porch, even if you did go for a walk, it's not like there's somebody that's miraculously going to disappear beside you and have a conversation. Right. And so you've got to do your best. And the problem is, is during the day, most of your friends work. <laughs> this is one of those things. And so, you know, I do the best with getting up early and working out with them because that means all the world to me to be able to have that time. I, I schedule Saturday mornings and I'm with Tim Struke and I get coffee with friends and, and everything. And so there's so many people and you just try to schedule those out as best you can. But um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. So um, our biggest takeaways for, for episode three here is just, as we've been, we've been talking about, there's just a level of communication that you have to pursue and you're not going to do it perfectly, but the best way to talk about it is just, to, to just, I think at times, I don't think it's like every night you need to say how you feel because that's probably not going to go over well. But I think it's important to like make sure that once a week you're kind of like, you know, open. Or if you feel like, you know, you got a good rapport and you can speak openly, there could be some times like, hey, like what's, what's going on? Or this is, I feel like this is, there's something deeper here, you know? And I think you just have to have those moments of, of, you know, probing a little bit so that you can, you can, you know, help them because it's really important for me to see what, what she's doing as a caregiver um, is just out of a motivation of love. And it's not a degrading of me. I think um, you don't, you, you don't get, you don't lose um, who you are, whether you're, it doesn't matter if you're a guy or, or, or a girl um, going through cancer there's a certain level to which you are going to feel loss and losses. There's some things you just have to accept that you might not be able to do in anymore and, or that you, that are harder to do. Like it's way easier for someone else to pull it off because you've got to think through it could be 10 steps for you to get something done. Right. And I think that's, um, that's just the reality. So um, it's really, really good to do that. I think I liken it much to, um, you know, when I was, I, I, when I was blinded in my eye, I think blind, blind eye is a way where, you know, there's some advocating for yourself where you have to be able to sit there and say, I don't think that's true. You know, I have people saying, Oh, you'll never be able to catch football. You're never going to play. You're not going to be able to do anything. And I was like, bullcrap. Right. <laughs> and, but it meant I had to work hard, right. And, and do it, but it had to be motivated with me. So there are some things where you can have a healthy conversation and go, don't take that right. from me, from me because I can do it. And, um, and that's an important conversation I think for anybody to have, if you're in a situation where you feel like somebody's kind of making that a handicap when it really doesn't need to be right. But there's other times where you got to stop being stubborn <laughs> and you, you got to just give up um, some things the, you know, and it's going to be in your best interest. And otherwise you're going to be in a heap. Um, I'll tell you this from experience, just this will be the last thing we say about it, but, but I went to weed whack and we have an electric one. Um, and of course I complained about that because I, you know, if we, if we were where I, where I think we should be, we should have a gas one. <laughs> and then I could have done it fine. But the electric one, it was what 95 degrees outside. I'm going to exaggerate. It's like hundred. It was 103. Like, like, you know, it was out there. There were like scorpions. It was all kinds of just pure hell. And, uh, 
And then I was doing the, but it had a cord and you had to keep yanking the cord and you had to go through and stretch it. And, and then it would get caught on cement and all this stuff. And I was like getting wasted, tired. And I wasn't even like one quarter done. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? <laughs> and um, I mean, some of it might've been the conditions, but some of it was my, my condition. <laughs> I was not in any shape to be out there in the sun and put pulling that through. And I was ticked off at how exhausted I was. So there's a prime example of listen to your caregiver because she's going to save you from that moment when <laughs> you're going to take on too much. And then you have to come to grips with the fact like, Oh my goodness, like I can't do that. So, and that's, that's a reality. So, Hey, we love you. And uh, we just want, want to say thank you for all of you who support stages. Um, and if you want to, if you would um, consider, you know, um, supporting us financially stages.community is our website and you can find a way to donate and that not only, helps us make, you know, the podcast and the website available, but we have a lot of cancer fighters who connect with us through that site and people turn them on. So if you could donate to that cause that keeps this thing going and we can really start to impact and help cancer fighters. And that's our joy. That's why we created the whole thing was to help cancer fighters and their families. Um, you know, caregivers, um, are, are, are one of the, one of the groups that we take care of as well. And so just to call, to encourage, to um, get resources, to, you know, connect them with people, whatever we can do um, to help them out, walk them through some of the first that they're going through and just be a source of encouragement. Those are the biggest things um, for us. And, and then secondly, if you know of somebody who's a cancer fighter or a caregiver, um, I just will be honest with you. Sometimes cancer fighters have a hard time connecting at first because it's a very personal thing. And I've, I've learned that I'm, I'm not that way, but I, but I get it. And so sometimes somebody will go, Oh, you know, like I, here's an email of this, this person fighting cancer and I'll reach out to them. And a lot of times it'll be, you know, kind of a dead end on that side, at least for a while. And then I have to kind of retry a different technique, but, um, caregivers on the other hand connect with us to the site and do like they're very talkative because they're exhausted and they're going through a lot and oftentimes they're used to communicating on behalf of the person they're, they're the person they're giving care for so the cancer fighter and so it's a great way for us to eventually connect with the cancer fighter so if you know of a caregiver or a cancer fighter please connect them with stages and we'll reach out to them personally and we'll talk with them. And then, you know, we've lived in so many different places. We often can find people and churches and organizations that can help. And so we can put them in touch with people who can help them and give them care and do that. So, um, but we'll never stop staying in touch with all those people and reaching out. All right. We love you. You guys have a, have, have a great week and uh, listen for episode four. It's going to be awesome. All right.